You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections, the results. We interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans, I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 59 of the Always Moto podcast. I'm your host, David Hogan, as always, and we will be joined later in the show by the Always Moto contractor, Ben Grinley. Unfortunately, he is still just waiting to find that paycheck. This is the Always Moto podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. As always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. This week on the show, we will be talking about the super motocross from Crashville. Wait, 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 no, I mean Nashville. Always Moto Fantasy League and the Super Motocross Emergency Department updates heading into this week's West Coast round in Denver. And let me tell you, it's been a busy week on the injury side of things. But bringing the show today is Slamboard Guy. And don't forget, we have that affiliate deal in place with Slamboard Guy. And they have offered a 10% discount for Always Moto podcast listeners. So if you want to get your squats on point in the gym, improve your standing technique on the bike with stronger legs, this simple piece of equipment is for you. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout and you'll be able to save with that discount code. Also bringing you the show is Endurance Recovery Boots. Now we've got that uh, in Always in Moto inspection article out on fullnoise.com.au for these guys at the moment. There is also a video on how to use the Endurance Recovery Boots over on our YouTube channel. So go over and check that out. And if you haven't already, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. But these endurance recovery boots, if you want to maximize your training, you need to be recovered before each and every session. These recovery boots can help you be your best for your next effort. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout to save with those guys as well. And don't forget Tech 167 3D printing. If you need something super, super cool for your motorbike or even just for your garage because they've got some uh, organizing uh, tools for your maintenance side of things, then you need to check out Tech 167 3D Printing. Maybe it's just a funnel that threads straight into your oil cap so you, there is no mess when you're pouring in that uh, oil. Then check out these products. A special code for you guys that you can only hear on the Always Moto podcast. It's Always Moto in lowercase at checkout and it will save on certain purchases. As always, we need your show support direct here and we still have our merch available. we still got our T-shirts. They are... Uh, $25 plus postage and handling. So, sh- so show your support of the show and rock a T-shirt at your next race. Email info at alwaysmoto.com. Put T-shirt order in the subject line and send the size you want through and we'll be in touch regarding payment via PayPal and the delivery date. Now, shirt sizes, guys and girls out there, make sure you go a size or two larger than you would normally do. These shirts are, are a small make, unfortunately, so it's just being a little bit of a pain in the butt with 
uh, shirt sizing. But that's if you go with size or two up, you'll be very happy with your purchase. If you want to show some support direct as well, send a donation to the Always Moto PayPal account. There is a link to it in our bio. Drop a message in there when you do that uh, donation and we'll read it out live on the show. To find all of our supporters and all of the necessary shopping points, follow the links in our show notes or in our bio on our social pages and you'll get straight to there via our links available in those notes and in that bio. All right, enough with the intro talk. Let's jump straight into the show. Hey, I'm Luke Neese riding for the SGB Honda team and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. All right, we're rolling on the Always Moto podcast. We're going to do take three. Yes, that's right. We've had some fuck-ups on the uh, software tonight, uh, but we're going again. Benny, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you for the third time. Yeah, well, let's just hold on. While we're talking, we'll do the whole, let's check this as we're running and running live. The, the listeners can love love our little interlude here. Just say one, two, three for me, buddy boy. One, two, three, buddy boy. There we go. Nice work. All right. We're good to go. Now, a lot of Supercross talk to go through. Uh, Nashville was a rough one. We had, unfortunately, a shit ton of injuries at Nashville. We, I, I've, I've claimed this from uh, Clade Kaysen. He was on Twitter and he came up with this and I asked him if I could use it. He never responded. So I'm going to take that as a yes. And it was Crashville, not Nashville. Yep, oh, that's the only way you can explain it. Uh, there was plenty of, yeah, plenty of big crashes that took some, uh, yeah, took some guys out. Yeah, um, we cleared the field really. Like we're going to have a big hole this week in terms of you know the factory guys and even some of the mid range guys. There's going to be, I think I said this somewhere else this week uh, that there's going to be about five guys that you've never seen in the main event this year, probably in the main event at Denver. Yeah, and that's just going to make Pop Max Fantasy a whole lot trickier for, you know, us diehard players. Well, that'll be interesting, actually, when we get to our teams later for the Always Motor Fantasy League. We'll have to come across that. But, yeah, that would be... It's going to be hard to pick because you're going to have a bunch of 16s rocking in there and they'll make it. And that will be really problematic if you don't have them. But anyway, um, we're not going to win the championship, mate. It's just between you and me. So let's just play fair, eh? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to beat you anyway. But, you know, we'll yeah, we'll go hard. Yeah, right. All right. All good. Now, look, Ra- Nashville was rough. Obviously, the track dried out. I think they were going to get more rain than they they. I think they thought they were going to get more rain than they ended up getting. And so the track was dry and that made it obviously fast. It made it slick. Guys made a lot of mistakes, but there was also a right-hand first turn, which isn't something we normally see too often on a supercross track. No, we only usually get maybe one or two a year. And, uh, yeah, some some people don't mind it. Some people hate it. Um, but, you know, it makes it interesting for us to watch. Yeah, it's interesting. And, obviously, there was – I think – it sort of made it a bit different to this round with the way the rest of the track sort of fitted into that start area. There was that other berm that was just inside of the right-hand turn for the apex. And I think a few guys got occasionally thrown off by where that berm was and sort of had to move out or they broke too early and then they went again. And it sort of made a little bit of, you know, odd congestion in that first corner and obviously being right-handed, it made it even worse. And we had a few guys going down there. AC went down in the main event um, just just an odd way to do it um, with that layout overall. But, yeah, they don't practice this often enough to get it right, I don't think. 
No, you know, you've got to use your left foot for braking and usually it's, you know, usually it's the other way and I mean right foot for braking. I was just correct you, I thought I'd let you see how long you left that one out there for. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah. So usually they put their, you know, they've got to put their foot down, but, you know, they've got to try and brake at the same time. So, yeah, it's just about how well you manage that. It was, yeah. And look, that track obviously played a big factor in the, the crashing, but I think in the results as well, like... If we, if you look back at the way Eli rode that track initially, he was going pretty well. But there was a point where I'm pretty sure he just opened the door and wave chased through, and and that was just him being cautious and managing that title race for him. He knows where he's at, and he didn't want to have any piece of going hard on that track. I don't think. No, and do you think that if you know everyone saw the big web crash? Uh, in the heat races, do you think that if Webb's still racing, he does the same thing? Maybe if it was just him and Chase, him and um, Cooper out front, because he could still probably afford, you know, to go second to Cooper. But if Chase was right on his butt, probably not, because that would have been then six points, and he would have only had what I think he had eleven going into the week. So there's all of a sudden only four or five points left in the in the in the chase um to the title and that would have been too tight for him i think so no i don't think i think he would have pushed a lot harder if cooper was still there and and going to the front yeah i think uh, I, uh yeah i think you're probably spot on yeah that that obviously that cooper crash changed a lot in terms of just the whole championship feel but the whole night everybody was sort of the air went out of the stadium as soon as that moment you know as ac impacted him and you could tell he was concussed straight away it just changed the whole night and the whole rest of the series yeah that's right and i mean there's nothing that ac can do um you know he's coming around the corner that's the last thing he's expecting his web to be you know laying there and i mean he you know he shook his head straight away and you know from what he said on his socials and stuff like that, um, you know, it's not the nicest thing. And, you know, I couldn't even imagine what, you know, how he felt after that heat race and whatever else. But, it's you know, it's racing. It, it happens. Yeah, he had nowhere to go. There was no fault for, for AC at all. And even if, like, you know, all these wowsers on Vital and whatnot, web forums, saying that, oh, he should have braked, he should have chopped the throttle. If he does that, great. He, maybe, he, maybe he misses Cooper it's a big maybe right but who's to say that two or three guys behind AC don't run into AC and then push him into Cooper anyway yeah that's right yeah there's just too many too many things that can happen and you know you can do one thing and then something else can happen so yeah you know it, it he, he could have stopped or you know cut the throttle and then someone hit him and then he hit Webb you know maybe in the back somewhere and it could have done more damage who knows no, it could have been a different spot. Could have been anything. Yeah, like he maybe he tips over sideways and the foot peg jams him in the back. You know, like maybe he doesn't get him with the front wheel, but he gets him with something else. Like, yeah, it's there's too many ifs and buts in that one. But yeah, it was just a racing incident. We'll um, leave it at that. But that title chase obviously has spread out a lot because of that incident. Uh, Eli's probably got an easy management job left for these last two rounds. Um, but the only sort of catch in that story that I can see is that obviously this weekend being Denver, 
It's at altitude. Eli lives at altitude. He rides at altitude. He's used to the bike and it's his home crowd. I feel like there's a chance that Eli wants to win Denver still. Yeah, and uh, I think in our second take or our first take, I'm not sure which Whichever one I mentioned. Whichever one it was. Yeah, we've done a few yeah, tonight. He, <laughs> he, uh, this time last year, he'd hurt his knee and he didn't get the chance. Like he couldn't push it that little bit. Uh, to try and go for the win. So uh, if he's, you know, he's fit and ready to go, then, yeah, I think he might try and go for it, especially if he gets the whole shot and gets out front. But just depends on how the track goes too. If it gets too sketchy, well, you know, he might just say, you know, on you go, chase and leave it at that. Yeah, obviously it, it is – there is a lot of risk involved with that, but I feel like there's a – you know, in the back of his mind that would be just – icing on the cake for him and if it's if it presents itself i think he's going to go for it but if chase is up him the whole race i could see him doing exactly the same thing as nashville and just sort of opening the door and say go on buddy you know i don't need it you know big picture i can i can win this title anyway so but if chase has a bad start and he's working his way through the field and eli's got a gap yeah i think he would push that right to the end to try and try and get that win just to It'd be so good to be in front of your home crowd. I don't know how that would feel to be in front of 50,000 people and, and win and they're all chanting your name um, and you're about to win the title. That would you know, be amazing. So I think you'd be going for it if he has the opportunity. Now, speaking... Yeah, I think the other thing... Sorry, go on. Oh, the other thing too is, uh, you know, we've talked about Chase and his you know, falling off a fair bit and, you know, Tomac could just be thinking, you know, I'll let him go and there's always a chance that, you know, he's going to make a mistake and I'll still end up winning anyway because it's happened quite a few times this year. So, uh, yeah, that might be in the back of his head as well. You know what? We've talked about this a lot with Chase, right? And what did I say about this um, way back, you know, when it first started happening before him to be able to undo it? Do you remember? Yep that he had to do two or so in a row and he'd be out of that pattern? Yep. He's done two or so in a row now, hasn't he? I think he's yep. out of that and pattern. And it's he purely, seems to be. It's, but it's purely luck in the sense of where he is in the season and that Eli's in this management mode, so he's not pushing it. And it's unfortunately for, for Eli in terms of the outdoor series... He is giving Chase massive confidence right now because he is winning races and he's done it a few times in a row. So his confidence is growing. So he's looking, as much as Eli knows what he's trying to do for the Supercross title, I think it's actually going to backfire on him at least for the front half of the outdoor season because Chase has confidence now. Yep, I'll agree with that. And, you know, like you said, he only had to get a few and, you know, he'd be right. And remembering back to outdoors last year, um, you know, he, he was really quick and the two of them went bar to bar for, you know, all the rounds and took it to the last race. Um, yeah, Chase is just going to have that much more confidence going in. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think especially because if, if Eli does let Chase have these last two rounds, you know, that'll be what, three or four in a row? That's a big, you know, momentum and confidence shift for Chase. So as much as Eli will win the title, that might, like I said, might backfire on him for the outdoor title, uh, outdoor hunt at least in those early rounds because he's going to come in with a lot of confidence. 
But Eli will probably have confidence in the fact that he just tucked away another number one plate. So we'll see how that plays out. But speaking of number one plates, Hunter Lawrence got it done. He, he's the he's – the, uh, what is he? The East Coast 250 champ for 2023. So well done, Hunter Lawrence. After all those injuries and all that crap they like to bang on about him leaving Australia when he was young and all that sort of stuff, he's done it finally. But I think the big part of this story is the fact that he's overcome all the injuries since he's been in the US. He's even had stuff happen to him back in Europe that not many people will know about because they won't look that far back. But he's overcome a fair bit, Hunter, and it's awesome to see it all finally pay off. Yeah, it's uh, and you know, especially having to sit and watch Jet and get the last, um, you know, last few titles that he's got. He, you know, he's finally got his own now, and um, it'll be good, you know, for us to see the two brothers get both of theirs in the same season. Uh, that'll also be nice as long as you know Jet clinches it this weekend. But he's had a rough go, and um, you know, in his words at times, he said. I was, you know, he was nearly done. It was just injury after injury. And then, you know, he's made a breakthrough, got to where he is and, you know, finally got a championship of his own. Yeah, it's awesome to see. I, I'm hoping that um, that Jet can clinch this weekend and that way then the two brothers can run the 1E and the 1W at the finale. That would be pretty cool. Do you think they do it if it, if it does happen? If they clinch, they'd be silly not to. Imagine the marketing, you know, they're already a marketing dream, but the marketing, you know, behind having both of those titles, both Lawrence's, you know, Alpine Stars, Honda, um, Red Bull, they all have this very unique picture to then, you know, market for the next six months. They'd be crazy not to. Yeah, I think too the way that Alpine Stars has been, you know, doing all these special gear sets for them. Um, I can only imagine what they'd come up with for, you know, like a gold, you know, <laughs> full gold suit or something like that. I could just imagine. That's actually been missing. Do you remember when they used to have the finales at Vegas? They would have all those crazy sort of, you know, gold trimmed helmets and gold sort of shoulder padded, you know, jerseys and stuff and all the numbers would be outlined in gold on the back of the jersey. They'd... I can't say they've really had that since it's been at Salt Lake. No, I can't say I've seen um, I've seen anything like that. You know, they get a gold helmet or whatever after they after they win the title. Um, but you know, they don't they're not wearing that in the race. So no, that's a yeah, bad I haven't thing seen too. anything. Yeah, but um, yeah, it'd be cool if they like you said if Alpine Star if they both have clinched by that point if Alpine Star's got something in the works. You know, to have that one dub and one E, and they have these, you know, maybe a matching gold set or something, that'd be pretty sweet. And like I said, then they've got that image for like six or so months to be marketing that. Yeah, it's it's a it's an easy win. I can I could see it now, but and Lucas Myrtle's got to be all over that surely. Yeah, he's yeah he's over everything. So yeah, you you're probably right with that. Yeah. Now, let's quickly touch on uh, Barsha's injury. Now, for everybody at this point in the year, and I'll talk more about this in the emergency department, but it's the uh, basically the, the bad timing zone because we are less than four weeks away from the start of outdoors and broken bones need generally six weeks to recover. So 
We are in a bad point for people getting injured. It sucks because they will miss the start of outdoors. Now, Justin Barsha is going to be right on the bubble of that. And we'll have some more thoughts on that later. But Barsha's crash was just a bit unexpected, to be honest. Yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't expect it. And then I saw, I think it was like a wide shot. And I saw the bike, the bike laying uh, in the whoops. And, uh, I, you know, I knew straight away, but they hadn't said anything on the TV yet. Um, but man, he's, he's been going so well, um, you know, this last half of the season and now, you know, was looking good for outdoors and then, you know, now he's got to sort of have a bit of time off the bike and who knows where he'll be when he gets back. Yeah, it'll be, be interesting. One, if he makes the start of outdoors and two, if he's actually ridden the bike more than once before he does. So we'll have to wait and see on that one, but, uh, yeah, just bad timing zone. It's it's not good at this point. Anyone in the next two rounds that gets injured basically writes off their outdoor season. Now, Marshall Welton, did you see that uh, incident with him in the heat race? I didn't actually see the incident itself. I saw the aftermath of it. But, uh, yes, no, the zero points on my fantasy team uh, tells me <laughs> that, yeah, something happened. <laughs> I can't believe you picked him. He's had a shocker of a year. Why would you pick Marshall Welton on a Supercross race? Uh, just, I just had to go for it, you know, just trying to trying to make some points up. Yeah. Now, did you, see, did you see the reason why he couldn't get the bike off? Did you see his Instagram photos this week of the front disc? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, man, that thing is very secondhand. Uh, it is so far bent out of shape. That's why he couldn't move the bike. The bloody disc physically couldn't go through the caliper. There was no way that front wheel was going to turn. So, yeah, it was a it was an ugly thing. I bet you they just cut that off a of scrap. So, yeah, that was an interesting one. I'm not sure many people have known why he was stuck there. They would have just been like, "Oh, the Suzuki you can't kickstart it on the you know the face of a jump. He's off balance." But no, it was actually the disc. It was mangled. So he's obviously jammed that into. One of the other guys that was there on the ground with him, and yeah, it's just it's just bent completely out of shape. So yeah, interesting reason for that one. Now, little different topic. We're obviously the Aussie side of things. Uh, Oz Pro MX is going again this weekend. It's happening uh, at Maitland, which is uh, not too bad of a track. It's a bit difficult for viewing, but it's a decent racetrack. Now, interestingly enough, for a small Australian series, we've got a retro round this week. Thoughts on a retro round, Benny? Uh, look, I think it's uh, I think it's cool, um, but what your uh, what your thoughts are, I'm on board with that as well because yeah, it's like you said, <laughs> a very small uh, thing. Well, let's get let's get in that because obviously we talked about this before, like pre-show before recording. Now, I love a retro round. I love the fact that you see this cool stuff, especially when all the US teams do it for whichever round, especially when like the Yamahas pull out that yellow and black sort of setup. But we're in Australia, we're the Australian series, it's tiny, right? We've got what? Two decent factory teams. We've got some KDM and, and Gas Gas and Husky teams that are sort of, I don't know, three quarters of the way there, let's say, in terms of a factory effort. But we are honestly going to have maybe one or two teams do it properly. And outside of that, it's just an expense that the rest of the series, or the rest of the teams 
don't need and so potentially aren't going to do anything about. Um, why do we need to spend that money? If, if we want to have a retro round, cool, great. Let's just make it so that MA makes some banners and we have a little display area where a t- team can bring out, maybe they've got an old bike like CDR would and they can put it in that area and we can have some old sh- images and stuff and people can look at it kind of like a museum display. But do we really need to get new graphic kits and new gear made specially for one round when we don't have the money to really pay any of our riders anything ever? Yeah, no, I'm not sure. And, you know, <laughs> like I said, I like it. But, yeah, the you know the expense and, you know, are the privateers going to do it? Like what are they, you know, what are they going to do with their kits and, you know, the smaller teams and stuff like that? Like if the, those um, guys could do it, like they, they don't get me wrong, I love the idea and people can do it and should do it, but it's an expense. Like, you know, a sticker kit's what? 100 to 300 bucks depending on who you're getting it through and how many different pieces and panels you're getting like why for one for one round yeah and uh you know yamaha have a a global uh sticker kit that you know all yamahas have uh whether it be moto gp mxgp the you know american supercross here um they've all got the same you know, colorways on their graphics and, you know, are they allowed to even change that? Who knows? Well, so that's the interesting point, right? So we've we've got in our notes about that it's the 30-year anniversary. We spoke about this, oh, God, a couple of months back on one of the early shows when the Aussie series started about the fact that it's the 30-year anniversary for the CDR team this year. And we've checked out their social pages and they've got images of Luke Cloud's bike two days ago and it's that generic, you know, official monster Yamaha sit kit that you talked about that's now a worldwide thing this year. I, I don't even know if they're doing anything. Like there's there's information that, that uh, Craig Anderson's going to be with the team this week just as a, a you know, sort of an ambassador thing for that 30-year anniversary and they'll probably have one of his past bikes there but I, I don't know if they're actually doing anything kit-wise, gear-wise at all. So do we really need a retro round? I don't know. We'll uh, we'll leave that to the <laughs> listeners to make their own make their own decisions. Yeah, look, they'll probably hate me for it, but anyway, I do love. Uh, get me, don't get me wrong. I love the idea of a retro round. I love the military appreciation rounds that they do in the states, but that's when they've got budgets for these things. You know, they've got an appropriate budget. They're already paying their riders. What if we just gave the money for the sticker kit and the and the special gear that we've paid direct to our rider? I think the rider would appreciate it. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> All right, but what about we talk about the track for this one? Uh, you mentioned you think this might be have a little bit of a different starting gate scenario for the Aussie series. We obviously have not the same requirements um, on the race, on the gate side of things for each track because obviously we're a bit smaller and each track's an individual entity. Um, you mentioned something about this one might actually have some, um, uh, you know, the great starts. Yeah, well, I saw a photo that the ProMX uh, Instagram page put up and, uh, yeah, there seems to be metal grates on the start line and um, there's a video of uh, Denny Ham, you know, doing a track track preview and um, so he, sta- you know, he starts on them. So, yeah, I think that's a little bit different to the other tracks. I think, uh, I think the others are all just dirt, but, yeah, I think we've got metal grates for this one. Yeah, I, 
I'd appreciate it if Maitland put in greats finally and they stay there for the uh, the club rounds and, and other rounds. I did a I did a New South Wales off-road round there. They had like a little enduro cross track using part of the motocross track and it was just the concrete grid. This is two years ago now, I think. But um, I couldn't get off that thing. They've saved my life. So the, the grid would probably, the grate would probably actually help me. <laughs> yeah, I think it makes it a lot easier too um you know for the riders but it'll you know when you don't start on a metal grate um eight you know week in week out and it's different um it'll be interesting to see who who gets good starts and who doesn't yeah it might be a different set setup for those guys like you said practice is the key for these things and if you haven't practiced on it maybe you don't get a good start but we'll have to see how it all works out now what are your thoughts what are we? What's the predictions on the over under on it being a overwatered track this week? You reckon they've uh, learnt from the first few rounds that we've had where everybody's complained about overwatering of our national tracks? Hey, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, I mean, they couldn't help the uh, the water they got at Wodonga, but um, probably you know. Let's see it. Um, the video I saw earlier with Denny Ham, it was a little bit dusty, so. And, you know, what are we, two days out, three days out? Um, I'd say there's probably time to put some more water on, but not too much. Yeah, that's that's the issue, right? Like, you've got to get that water in earlier for it to actually soak in and be sustained. It's when they put it in late that it just sort of sits in the top layer and puddles, and, and that creates that slop that they have had so far at the beginning of these you know, practice sessions and first motos, and then they get these dry, crusty ruts for moto two. So, but I think, I think they'll be throwing plenty of water down because at one of the early East Coast rounds we had at Maitland, uh, I think it was end of January, beginning of February. I can't remember exactly the date. The uh, promoter got smashed because uh, it was super dusty at that round. Obviously, being summertime for us over here, that made a difference, but. They didn't obviously put enough water in it at all, and it was a big, you know, talking point after the event. So, I'm sure they won't want a repeat of that, especially at a national level. So, I dare say there's going to be a lot of water put down. Yep, and uh, you know, we'll find out come Sunday afternoon whether the riders were happy with the <laughs> the prepping of the track or not. Just check the social medias; it'll be commented on. I'm sure. But you can be we'll be able to watch it on stand again. We should be able to see it. The 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 fact that the uh, AMA stuff should be done early in the morning, we'll have plenty of time to watch that in Sunday afternoon. So that'll be another busy moto day for most of us out there watching uh, on the different platforms. So that'll be cool. Now let's uh, quickly look at we've actually got track map up this time in our notes. Nice work, Benny. Thanks for that contractor. We we might try and pay you this week. But um, track looks pretty good. I, I don't know what your thoughts are, Benny, but uh, back to a standard left-hand turn for the uh, start first corner, which is nice. There does seem to be a long, reasonably long set of whoops down one side of the track, which would be a good separator for a lot of this. Yeah, I think that first left turn looks, um, on the photo anyway, it looks a bit tight, so I'll be interested to see... Uh, how that goes but yeah that is a long set of whoops and um you know it depends on how they how they play out it'll definitely it'll definitely separate um you know people who are good and people who aren't too good at them yeah um hopefully they leave that many there's 
There's a decent amount in that. There's at least 12 in that set of this image. So, yeah, it could be a decent long set. And, and if it breaks down at all, that would be a big separator later in the event. But we've had plenty of incidents in the whoops this season, lots of injuries because of the crashes in there. Hopefully we don't see too many because we might run out of guys if we have too many more injuries before the final round. Now let's uh, all right. Let's jump into the the regular part of the show that we love to talk about. It's uh, Pulp MX Fantasy and the Always Moto Fantasy League. It was a uh, another interesting round, I've got to say. I didn't quite get the points I was hoping for, Benny. At this one, you you got another dub, mate, over the, between the two of us. But uh, you're still lingering a fair way at the end of the field for the Always Moto Fantasy League, buddy. Yeah, I was actually surprised considering that I had um, I had seven people in and, uh, yeah, one of my 250 riders also had nine points. So, uh, yeah, I was a bit surprised to, to get the win, but uh, I'll take it. Yeah, look, you did you did all right. Um, now, let's – a quick update uh, for where we are in the overall leagues. So, I'm at 3,000. Uh, 379 points, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, at 26th. And Benny is 3,088 points for 67th in the league. You've moved up at least four places. I think you were 71st there for two weeks now. So you've moved up a tiny bit, mate. Yeah, I've just been floating around, you know, 10 up, 10 down. It's, um, you know, <laughs> it's two weeks left. Let's see if we can at least get into the 50-somethings. you got to have a goal in life, mate. Yeah, 50 might be unattainable, but let's have a goal. That's good. Um, <laughs> now, congrats to Chris B there uh, for third place at Nashville. That was our random prize for the Nashville round for the Bolt Everywhere MX gloves. Um, as per usual, Chris hasn't been one of the ones that has emailed us to email um you know fantasy at alwaysmoto.com so we're still waiting on chris we've got just a few more hours i think it was we're about 48 hours now since i put up the post looking for him but nobody has tagged him nobody has found him and sent him our way so he might miss out on this prize and we might be uh either picking somebody's uh at random or just bumping that prize into the overall prizes at the end of the season which will be in two weeks time so if chris if you're out there and you hear this, you better send me an email damn quick to fantasy at alwaysmoto.com to be eligible for that prize. Now, Benny, your team from Denver, who did you have? Uh, so my 250 team, I had Cody Shock, Luke Nice, Max Anstey, and Marshall Walton, who, yes, as we talked about just before, uh, did not race. Yeah. Now, I had Tom Vial for 32, Jason for 12, Max Anstey as well for 23. He missed out on max points. And I had Michael Hicks for eight. So I think that's starting to be where my points disappeared to. But anyway, uh, 450 team, who'd you have in Denver? Uh, in um, Nashville, sorry. I uh, had Josh Hill, Justin Starling, Josh Cartwright, and uh, AC. So my 450 team was, it saved me. Um, AC maxed out. Josh Cartwright got me 46 points. Starling got me 52 points and Josh Hill got me 38 points. So, yeah, definitely saved me. Um, but just going back to my 250 team real quick, I had Vial in my team 
Um, and I saw his crash in qualifying. <laughs> Got scared. And I was out. I was done. No, yeah. I took him out. I <laughs> was not, wasn't, you know, and in the end, I probably should have just done it anyway because I still got zero. Um, but yeah, just kicking myself a little bit out of uh, what did you say it was 32 points? Yeah, he got? got 32 points, so yeah, it was a decent score for him, which is he hasn't had too many of those so far this season, but yeah, it was worth having him. Obviously, he would have been better than Welton, so yeah. Now, my 450 team, it wasn't too bad if it wasn't for the fact that Grant Harlan got injured, I would have had a great team because I had Starling that got 52. I had Colt Nichols that got 52, and I had AC that got 26. So I got three of my four riders maxed out. The only problem was Grant Harlan only got nine points because he went out with an injury. Yes, that doesn't uh, doesn't help anyone. No, so disappointed. It's hard luck for Grant. Obviously, you'd rather not have a dislocated shoulder, but I'd rather have a few more points too. But anyway, all right, moving on from Nashville, <clears throat> let's uh, – what is your 250 team for uh, Denver this week, mate? Yeah, look, uh, I'm not real happy with anything um, One of those <laughs> that months, I'm seeing. It? Yeah, it's, I don't know, at the moment, uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see when we get there. But um, for now, I've got Hampshire as my uh, all-star. Uh, Carson Mumford, Jerry Robin, and Dylan Schwartz. So that's my two fifty team at the moment. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how we go on the day. All right. Well, I've gone Mumford with a zero handicap. I've gone Derek Kelly with a two. RJ Hampshire is the all star with a two, and Honey Yoda is a seven. So got uh, obviously all these things are potential changes once we see the practice times, but. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how these guys go. I'm banking on Jet potentially not going for it, and that's why I've gone RJ as my uh, all-star. So we'll see how that plays out. What about the 450 team, mate? What have you gone there? Um, So I've gone Colt Nichols at a zero. Um, I just think, you know, with these few riders out and after his ride last week, he'll have some confidence. And uh, as long as he gets a good start, um, you know, he should be up there again. Um, Justin Hill is my all-star uh, after last week. Uh, he did pretty well and everyone else is sort of a one, two, three, you know, so there's a little bit more room there for, for max points. And again, same thing, you know, good ride last week. Uh, hopefully he's got some confidence and I could see him up up top. Um, I've got Logan Carnia who... Depending, because we've also got a Pulver Max LCQ race, mm. uh, depending if, if he does well in that or not, uh, he'll be on my team. But if he does well, I'd probably will get rid of him because he'll probably go, yep, I've made enough money this weekend and uh, let's just party. <laughs> Maybe he parties on the Friday night after getting that Pulver Max money and doesn't have yeah. the best Saturday, Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah. And um, at the moment, I've got Shane McElrath. So, yeah, we'll see we'll See how we go. No, oh, well, maybe he'll have a shock that doesn't blow apart this week. We'll have to wait and see how that goes for him. Um, so I've gone for my 450 team. I'm going to put Chase Sexton down because I feel like he's just going to win. Um, even though I said all that stuff earlier about Eli Tomac, I still think Chase will win. Um, I've gone Kyle Chisholm at a four. 
I've also got Logan Carr now, but again, similar to you, depending on how um, the Friday Pulp MX Privateer Challenge race goes, that might change. But I've also gone Josh Cartwright because he's at a 10. So if you look towards that back end of the field, there might be some people that you might want to pick there. And somebody like a Devin Simonson, Kate Clayson, um, even even Markier or, or Lane, they're all got like, double-digit handicaps and they've all qualified for mains and they're probably all guaranteed to qualify for this main for the fact that we're missing four guys now. So could be worth a look in, in, in practice to see where these times are and make a few high handicap picks if you're listening out there for the league to try and make a few points up. Yeah, and just remember that a lot of them will be racing on Friday. Yeah, so, so you just keep that, that in, keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all good. Now, let's have a quick thanks to the Fantasy League sponsors. So that is Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia, and Bolt everywhere. Now, um, one of our previous winners who finally got in touch with us from our random prize has... Um, Help pick the number for this weekend for the position for this weekend's random prize. Now, this weekend's going to be the last weekend we do the random prize because next week is the final round. So we'll just do our overall prizes and we'll talk about those prizes next week. Uh, and this week's position is going to actually be 18th, hoping that Jet Lawrence is clinching the title. We're going to go with 18th this week in the in the Fantasy League for that random prize. And this week's prize is going to be another set of knee brace socks from Goat Brand MX. And we've just confirmed that Goat Brand is going to be on again for the outdoors uh, for Fantasy League prizes for Always Moto Fantasy League, which is awesome. So thanks to the guys at Goat Brand MX. Anything to add, Benny, before we wrap up this section of the show? Um, yeah, I'll put you on the spot. Who who wins the um, Pulp Max Privateer race? Ooh. Good question. You know how all those OnlyFans girls are out there saying, you know, I'll give you a free subscription to um, my OnlyFans if you pick the winner? I actually commented yep. on one of those because I went through the comments to see what people were saying just to see who I could, who, who would pick the, you know, what, what, what people were thinking as who was going to win. And I'm like, you know what? Jared Lesh is on a two-stroke. It's at altitude. He'd be a absolute miracle man if you pulled it off let's put jared lesher on there because nobody's thinking about <laughs> it so i think jared lesher's actually a chance he's a good rider he is ripping on that 252 stroke he's a potential chance so long as he's got that thing jetted right yeah well that's uh, that's uh that's a fair pick yeah what about you who do you think he's going to pull this one off i can't uh i can't say cartwright not winning it think he's just been doing really well although that uh, i'm not sure what he was thinking in the heat race last week but um just letting i think it was was it miller just go straight yeah. by him really yeah um, that's bizarre. <laughs> but yeah but um yeah i don't know i think you know in the lot like the longer race which uh this is a 10 minute race time. yeah yeah um yeah i think uh, i think he could be the winner yeah he obviously has got speed uh, and been doing really well, but you know who else is probably a potential sleeper is Devin Simonson. He's sneaky good on that 450. He's made two main events and he's only raced two 450 races. So 
He's a potential for me as well. Yeah, that's a fair call. Yeah, it, it's it's awesome that that Pulp does this as well. By the way, like as much as we, you know, we're obviously both fans of Pulp MX. Um, we listen to most of their most of his content there, but to do what he does here for the privateers and get this money, and I think I heard on the last podcast that I was listening to for him that he's up to almost or looking to get towards a hundred grand again this year. That's that's insane that he's giving that away from all the donations, like. Obviously, he's got the the fan base to pull from, but you still got to get that money come in, and yeah, it's just fantastic that he's giving a hundred percent of it back to the privateers. It's fantastic. Well done, mate. Yeah, he does do a good job, and I think uh, they had a they had a segment on Race Day Live uh, the weekend, and he said, uh, I think it was Saturday, they got ten ten k alone just from that day, just from that being on the TV. So. Uh, that's bumped it up a fair bit, and yeah, he's probably going to be you know close to a hundred, and that's without all the uh, the sponsors chipping in for you know all the position prizes and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's a brilliant thing that he does, and um, you know for Feld to let him have a race is also um, really cool. So uh, we hope it only gets bigger from here. Yeah, definitely, and I hope I don't know what they're going to do for coverage-wise. Like, obviously, they're streaming it, and you can find that uh, link. I think it's on YouTube this week. You can you can watch it, which is awesome. But I hope that they give it some decent airtime, you know, as a highlight reel in the main show on on the Saturday night. That would be really cool. Yeah, it would be cool, and you know, I think the you know the riders deserve that, um, but. Yeah, just depends on whether they do it or not. I mean, the race would be good, good to see it, you know, on the Saturday night. But, um, you know, we've got he's got what he's got at the moment, and um, yeah, hopefully, like I said, hopefully it gets bigger and may end up on that same night um, in a few years, maybe. Yeah, that would be that would be cool if they could pull that off somehow. But um, yeah, see see where it gets to. But yeah, let's just hope it gets the the recognition on the main coverage, or even if they. Even if they replayed it on Race Day Live or something, that would be cool as well because that's that would be um, you know just adding to that exposure and potentially getting more more money and donations for it for the following years. So yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, well done, Pulp, for for um, getting this out there and supporting the privateers the way way he does. All right, anything else, mate? You uh, dropped that one on us, but um, yeah, anything else before we close out this section? Uh, no, I think we're good. Uh, I think we've finally made it through. So yeah, I'm uh, take three or four. I'm good. We're up to we uh, we got there, and I can see the squiggly line still going. So we should be sweet. So let's wrap up this section. We'll be back with the emergency department on the Always Motor podcast. We'll just take a quick break. What's up, everybody? This is Kate Clayson from Partzilla PRMX Kawasaki, and you're listening to the Always Moto Show. All right, guys and girls, we are back on the Always Moto podcast. It's episode 59, and the whole episode is available over on your favorite podcast platform. But we are jumping into the department here, and obviously we are doing this combined across the podcast and the YouTube channel. So if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Subscribe and like the video below. It helps us a lot. If you're listening on a podcast, follow the feed uh, and make sure you leave a rating on the podcast app if you're able to. 
but know that they're on both those platforms. So let's jump into this emergency department. It's probably the reason you're here on our Always Moto podcast or YouTube channel is to see the emergency department done by myself as a physiotherapist with a little bit more insight into these injuries that the riders in the AMA Pro Supercross series here are having and just to get a bit more in-depth with our injury knowledge and sort of find out what's happening, when, how long, all those sorts of good bits and pieces. So let's jump into the emergency department right now. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. You do not want to be on this list. I say this every week here in the emergency department, and this week is even more important because as you'll see when we talk about a couple of these injuries that happened here from Nashville, uh, they are now in a very big predicament as to whether they're going to be able to make the start of the outdoor series. We're now in that window where we're transitioning, and the closer we get, the worse things get for any significant injuries, or even any. the closer we get, even some minor injuries are going to start putting a little question mark over whether you're going to be ready for that round one of outdoors at Parla at the end of May. So we are now within four weeks so things like minor bone fractures are going to be a four to six week recovery time frame. They're going to start making that first round very difficult to get to and particularly to have any bike time before you roll up to that first gate drop. So some things to think about and obviously some ways that these guys need to try and avoid the injuries. Not that they're going out there looking for them, but you want to make sure you get through this series healthy and make it onto that gate for the outdoors so that you have the best chance come the outdoor season because your fitness is going, your confidence is going. You don't want to break all that by having a break <laughs> or an injury uh, because it's just going to throw you out the whole time. So let's get into this emergency department. Obviously, Nashville was Crashville, like we said earlier in the podcast, and we got that from Cade Clayson's post on Twitter. I did ask him. Uh, he never responded, so I'm going to take that as a yes that I can use it right now. So thanks, Cade. No worries, mate. Now, let's get some things to note here. From Nashville, Aaron Plessinger, that Red Bull KTM rider, the number seven, he had that incident at the previous round at East Rutherford. Uh, he tried to race Nashville, didn't work out for him. We suspect that he will be back for Denver this week, but again, it'll be a touch-and-go situation. He might try to ride uh, time untimed sessions and qualify, practice and qualifying. He might not make it through again. We'll have to wait and see. But if he does ride, he will be the only one of the KTM group in that 450 class and then uh, in, in, in the 450 class with the KTM group that will be on track because we've already lost Marvin Muskan, Cooper Webb, Malcolm Stewart, Christian Craig, and Justin Barsha. It's not been a great year for the KTM group. And then if we look a little bit further into the 250 class, because obviously we've just had the announcement that we'll talk about here in a few seconds for Pierce Brown, but we've got Pierce Brown out. We've got Michael Moseman out. So the Gas Gas team is basically wiped out for Supercross now. They might as well put the park the truck up and just get ready for outdoors. But we've also then had injuries to uh, Jalik Swole. Um, we had some issues with um, RJ Hampshire earlier in the season that he didn't go so well with. So that whole KTM group has had a rough run in 2023 with injuries. So, yeah, we'll have to see if Plessinger can make it back and be the only 450 guy on track for that group or if he doesn't make it through again and maybe he tries again in Salt Lake or if they just park the whole system up and just wait for the outdoors to start. We'll have to see how that all pans out for them. 
Now, John Short injured a hand or re-injured a hand injury that he's been carrying for a little bit now in Nashville. Missed out on those uh, main parts of the night program, but he is told us that he'll be in Denver, so hopefully that means he's all good to go. But I dare say he'll be still managing that when it comes to Denver, but he'll definitely be at Denver because obviously that Pulp MX Privateer Challenge is financially rewarding for him to be there, so he'll be trying to ride, and we'll talk about that a little bit as we go through this show. Now, out from injuries following Nashville, obviously the big one that started this all rolling in Nashville with Crashville was the Cooper Webb incident. Now, unfortunately, Cooper Webb did sustain a concussion. He's on concussion protocol, but he's already taken the steps to remove himself from the next two races and right, uh, eliminate himself from the series. So he's, he's moved to do that. Now, the AMA concussion protocol, we've spoken about it heaps on the podcast. It is a process... It is started by your physician to say that once you've had no symptoms for 24 hours, you can then commence the five-stage return to ride program and each of those stages needs to take a minimum of 24 hours. So he could have, in theory, been ready for this weekend's race if he was symptom-free to start that process on Sunday, Monday. But if he wasn't feeling at that point or he just basically has some, maybe he has some other issues and he took that as the out but we don't know that for sure. We're just speculating on that side of things, but the concussion is definitely confirmed. Maybe the symptoms were significant enough for him to not be able to start that protocol early in the week, and he just took that as the reason for him to sit out the rest of the season and get himself healthy, which for a concussion is a fantastic idea. You don't want to have that lingering around because that will make things very difficult for you. Uh, You don't want to have any of those sort of memory loss issues, proprioception issues, balance issues, uh what else any of those problem solving sort of issues everything that the brain controls vision hearing it can all go wrong following a concussion so you want to get rid of those things uh very quickly and cooper webb is taking the right steps in my opinion to do that uh which is great moving on justin barsha the troy lee designs 450 rider off the dragon back managed to break a collarbone and he will be out for the remaining rounds of supercross now This is where things get sticky for these riders who have had decent injuries at this time of year between that transition point. If Justin gets this surgically repaired, it is a four to six week recovery time frame. In theory, at about two weeks, you will feel great from their collarbone uh, repair work by the surgeon because you will have that plated. It will be plated across. It's all screwed together. So it's held solid. The bone is still broken. It's held together by the plate, so you're artificially inflated at that point. So you technically could ride. It's down to whether you can tolerate the pain, and if you want to risk basically impacting that plate and re-breaking it or breaking the collarbone in a different position around the plate and then creating more of a problem for yourself. So whether it is going to be ready or not in time is one question. Whether he wants to take that risk, whether he can manage the pain, Whether he even has any bike time before he rolls onto the gate is another part of this as well. So there is a chance that he is on the line for round one. There is also a chance that he is not. We won't know for about another two to three weeks. So we'll have to see how that plays out. You probably won't hear anything about him until that week of the first round. And that would be basically because that would be his first opportunity to be back on the bike in a sensible time frame, let alone whether he's physically capable as, or not as well. 
Exactly the same scenario goes for Rock River Yamaha's Benny Bloss. He broke his collarbone as well uh, at the same venue at Crashville. So he's in exactly the same boat. We spoke with Benny direct, but so we have confirmed that he has gone ASAP to California to get his plated and his aim is to be ready for round one at Parlour. But again, you have to see how that post-op side of things goes. Uh, it's not as straightforward. It's not a guarantee. Every surgery that is out there has some inherent risk. Obviously, infection is one of those possibilities. Non-union, um, other pain, you know, other um, irritation. Maybe the surgeon gets something involved and it damages something else. There's plenty of things that can go wrong. They talk to you about it when you do those surgeries and they say, you know, this percent chance of this is less than 99, you know, it's 99% never going to happen, blah, blah, blah. There is that 1% chance that it could happen. So we have to see how it all goes. Ideally, it goes perfectly well. Don't want to be Debbie Downer, but we've just got to point out some of these things occasionally so everybody gets an accurate picture and how badass these guys are when they do come back from these injuries in a short space of time. They've taken all these things into account. All right, next on the list, and it's just come out today, Jason Anderson of Monster Energy Kawasaki. He's had a couple of crashes recently. He had a practice crash. He had a crash in practice at Nashville, and he had another crash in the heat race. One of those crashes, I'm not exactly sure which one from his update, but one of those crashes has led to a couple of broken vertebrae in his neck. Now, this is a significant injury. Anywhere, anytime you break a vertebrae in any location in your spine, it's not good. One, because obviously the risk is you can have issues with your cord and become paralyzed in some form, um, you know, partially, fully different layers, means different innovation levels for the nerves. And obviously the higher up it goes, the less function you can have. Luckily for Jason, this is t- deemed as a non-displaced fracture. Now, non-displaced means that the bones are broken, yes, but they are still sitting in exactly the spot that they should be. They haven't shifted and they haven't impacted onto that cord or any of the associated nerves that come out from the cord through things that are little holes that are called foramen in the vertebrae. So good news for Jason is that that is un- non-displaced. Bad news is he broke two vertebrae, it's C5 and C6, which is just at the base of the neck for anyone who doesn't know where they are. So for Jason, that is, again, it's a four- to six-week type injury. Potentially because there's two and it's your neck, it's probably going to be more like six or six to eight weeks. Uh, But again, it depends on his healing rate. Every person heals at a different rate. He might be able to rest really well and not irritate it and it will heal quickly. He might do other things like take some calcium supplements. He might use a bone stimulator. He might take some um, other sort of herbal, uh, you know, non-traditional medicine to try and improve bone healing. And that might speed up the process. He might do hyperbaric chambers, those sorts of things. Um, He might do nothing at all and just rest and it might still be exactly the same time frame. You never know. As much as there's all these options out there for alternate medicines, you don't know if any of them actually work for you. Now, Will he be back for the start of outdoors? I doubt it. I reckon you will see Jason Anderson around round three, maybe even later. Just depends on how that process goes because one, he's got to get that six weeks or so um, of non-riding time, but then he's got to obviously build back up fitness. He might have to test the bike. Uh, he, he just might need some general bike time um, to feel comfortable before he goes and hits outdoors because he might not have done very many laps on an outdoor track given he's been still deep in Supercross season. 
but he might have done plenty. He might be completely ready and he just needs a week to get up to speed again and away he goes. So it's going to be around that round three mark for me, I reckon. That's my call at this stage. We'll see how that works out. But it is a massive injury. There's no two ways about it. Broken vertebrae, it's huge. Um, don't discount it. These guys are superhuman. And for him to ride with that as well, once he's re- he rode the LCQ and the main event with it, uh, that's pretty impressive. That's that's some serious adrenaline running at that point. Adrenaline is amazing. It will make you override just about anything. Uh, so he has done an amazing job. Um, but glad that he's recognized that he's got the scan and he's realized there's actually a problem there and he's pulled himself out. So he's out for the last two rounds of Supercross. And like we said, potentially not back till partway into the, super, uh, into the motocross series as well. All right, next one on the list, Grant Harlan. The Rock River Yamaha rider. So we've, you know, Rock River Yamaha has both lost their 450 riders. He unfortunately dislocated his shoulder in a crash in the whoops. Uh, we spoke to Grant. He was trying to get some MRI scans done this week. We haven't heard back from him. We did offer to actually help him read or interpret the scans as to how bad they are, um, so that if he could potentially ride this week. He, he that he we, we could help suggest whether that would be appropriate or not but the thing with dislocated shoulders everyone's different but the whether it comes out cleanly or whether it tears a labrum as it comes out or whether you tear the rotator cuff or your bicep as it comes out those are all factors that implicate how quickly you recover from it if it comes out and goes back in without too much hassle and it goes back in in a relatively short space of time you can potentially get straight back into your activity. Maybe you just take a day or so and, it, and let the swelling and the associated pain from the dislocated dislocation occurring settle, but generally you can be okay. Um, but if it's when those other things occur, you tear the labrum, you rip a rotator cuff, that's when you've got to have surgery. Or if this is the second or third occurrence of a dislocation, then you've got to look at how you make this thing stable enough to stay in place, to still do the sport, which is then where we have things happening like um, stabilization surgeries where they tighten the cup up or they even put a piece of bone in the front of it, which is called a large uh, procedure, when that blocks the position where the shoulder usually comes out anteriorly. So interesting to know lots of people have that. For Grant, we checked. This is the first time for that shoulder. So fingers crossed, there's nothing else on those scans and it's starting to feel really good already and he may be at Denver. But if there's anything else on there, we'll find out hopefully in the next few days. So check our social updates for that. Um, He might be out. We'll have to wait and see. It might be season done. All right. Um, Not from Nashville, but midweek crashes that we found out about in recent times. Pierce Brown, we sort of mentioned that a little bit earlier with that whole KTM group. Pierce Brown's put out an update that the Friday before Nashville in practice, he broke his hand whilst doing some outdoors. Unfortunate, but potential risk. Obviously, there's a lot of accidents during training. That's not the surprising part of Pierce Brown's injury update. The surprising part was that he has actually been carrying a meniscal injury for about a month. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto podcast. And that. And we'll get going again. Why not having the little, all the stuff ups just keep going in through the podcast and the YouTube video when we make things a, a little error? Anyway, back on the Pierce Brown. So the interesting thing that we were talking about is that meniscal injury that he's been carrying for about a month. Nobody knew about it. Was that the reason for some of his inconsistent results? You'll never probably know. But he's had the chance. Obviously, he's going to have this bone in the hand broken. It's a four- to six-week injury recovery time frame. He's got this other injury. He's done the smart thing, in my opinion, and he's gone and got that meniscal injury fixed because he's already out for another reason as well. 
So hopefully by the time he gets back, uh, the meniscal repair is about a four to six weeks uh, time frame as well. So they're going to match up reasonably well, but then he's obviously going to have two areas to regain fitness from. Uh, so he'll probably be a few weeks before he gets back onto the bike into the outdoor season. So if we talk about that time frame, he's going to miss, he's going to be somewhere around that mid-season point, somewhere around Redbud, I reckon, that he will potentially be back on the bike. So he will still get a fair few rounds in, but uh, not going to be there for the whole championship, unfortunately, for Pierce Brown. Now, another one that we found out about, and we've spoken to, to him to try and get him onto the podcast for next week for our injury check-in, it's Bobby Piazza. He managed to break a hand. Um, it's a boxer's fracture. Now, for anyone who doesn't know what a boxer's fracture is, it's your fifth metacarpal, which is the outside here, and it's the neck. It's down nice and close. So when you have a boxer, they hit here, it jams back, and it breaks the neck of the fifth metacarpal. Uh, he's done that. So usually that means he's closed the fist and punched it into something on the ground, or as he's fallen, he sort of jammed it. That's broken that fifth metatarsal, uh, metacarpal. Sorry. Now, he rode through at Nashville, which was awesome. Didn't have to pull out later in the evening, but or in the later in the day program, I should say, night zero day show, same blah blah blah. You got what I meant. Um, he's going to be in Denver. He's going to try and ride through that. Unsure as to how he goes, whether he heads to Salt Lake or not, but we'll find out hopefully when we check in with him next week for next week's episode. So check back for that, guys and girls. Now, for Bobby too, he asked us to give him a little shout out. So it's at Bobby Piazza, Bobby. B-O-B-B-Y-P-I-A-Z-Z-A on Instagram. Uh, and if you check our show notes, we're going to drop his Venmo um, to give him some support to get to these races. So please check it out. If you can donate to him, please do so. All right. Now, making returns this week for Denver, like we talked about with Aaron Plessinger, it's a maybe. We'll see how it goes. Um, he might be there. He might be there and try and not be able to. So you have to keep an eye on how that goes throughout the day. And the other maybe at this point is Alex Ray. Alex Ray had a couple of injuries this year. He broke his thumb and he broke a finger. He's had both of them surgically repaired. He's about three weeks from that repair. He's just, I think, a week now from having that plate removed out of his finger. Uh, and he potentially might try and ride Denver because of the privateer um, Pulp MX challenge. There's a lot of money on offer uh, and he could potentially get a bit of that. So this is driving a lot of guys to be there and uh, they will be making every effort to ride. Now, whether Alex physically can or not, he will find out probably on that day of the of the Friday to um, of the Pulp MX Challenge. So check it out. Let's keep an eye on it. Whether he does or he doesn't, we will not know. The other one is one of uh, is a guy we interviewed earlier in the season. He had a crash at Anaheim 1. Uh, Lewis Macias, he is potentially going to be back this week in Denver, which is awesome. He had those lung and rib issues. Uh, he's finally over it. He's been on the bike for a few weeks now. We've checked in with him, but we haven't got a response as yet to confirm, but he looks like he will be at Denver. That was his intended plan when we last spoke to him about three weeks ago. So ideally, he's there ready to go for Denver. And one more aspect that we're going to cover this week on the emergency department here is some just some updates from the recovery path. We've seen Dylan Walsh, who has that leg injury. Uh, he's five weeks post-op. Things are going well, which is awesome to hear. And he's hoping to be back on the bike real soon. But I still think that's probably a few weeks away yet. But Dylan sounds very positive about the recovery from that surgically repaired leg, which is awesome. Other two updates are Austin Faulkner, if you've been watching his vlogs. He had a check-in about two weeks ago now, uh, and he's on on track really well. 
but he is yet to be released to do anything really significant. He's just doing some cycling, which is, you know, great for the psyche because you start feeling a bit normal. I speak speak for myself from my post. My injuries are in recent times. It's nice to do some of those normal sort of things. So he's just up to that point. He's <clears throat> he's not up to bike riding just yet, uh, as in motor riding. And the other one is Cameron McAdoo. Obviously, he had that shoulder dislocation as well. He tore a few muscles around that as well. He is only a few weeks post-op, but he has started therapy. We spoke about that a couple of shows ago where he was delaying the therapy start because of potentially of from specialist uh, you know, recommendations. <clears throat> good, old ch- good old throat sore here. Been talking too much today. But uh, he has actually been seen moving that arm around, which is great, using some electrical stimulation to assist that and start to reactivate those muscles. Nice little technique there. But he's uh, a long way back from getting back to action yet. But he's he's been seen to be making some steps in the right direction, which is awesome. All right. Uh, now, quick quick shout out while we've got the chance. We haven't done it in any other point in the show uh, of the full podcast episode, which is episode 59. We were part of a MX Vice interview today with Ed Stratman. Uh, which was awesome, where we went through a lot of the injuries that have happened in the AMA series. So if you get a chance, check out the MX Vice uh, social pages and their YouTube channel or their podcast. It'll be on a few different parts of their stuff. Uh, it's about an hour-long chat with me and Ed, and we go through, like I said, all those injuries and a few more stats. Uh, so feel free to check that out. It was an awesome chat, and that's why my voice is probably a little sore. I've spent most of the day talking about Moto and then obviously the day job as well. So good stuff. Uh, but check it out. All right, let's jump into Dave's Diatribe. This is Dave's Diatribe. What's a diatribe? A diatribe is a forceful and bitter attack against someone or something. So keep your head down. You might be next. You could be next. That is right. You could be next. Uh, this one's an interesting one, right? So normally we have a go about something that's strange that's happened. Obviously, there was uh, probably, you're probably thinking I'd have a go about the uh, Cooper Webb removal part from the medic crew where they were holding his helmet whilst they were driving him off trying to stabilize his neck and obviously you think you'd put a c-collar on if that was the case i've had that chat on twitter if you want to check it out go and check out my twitter feed we've we've been engaged in that for a little while there's a lot that could be done there um it's a tricky situation but if you feel that you need to stabilize the helmet you should be stabilizing the neck properly with a collar that's my opinion there's lots of other things that we can do post that that I would really like to see implemented, like a medic that is a part of the you know the TV crew with a review booth so they can watch these things and feed that back to a radio to the guy that's going to the guy on the track and then also link that to the AMA as to whether they then red flag it or not um, a bit quicker, uh, which they might have a little bit of that process, but I think it could be improved a lot. Uh, and then also then you know, implementing a bit more of a removal process for, for the riders because at this stage, it's hit and miss. You've, you've seen it a few times now where, you know, a rider's put a C-collar on but then they've let him walk or that he didn't have a C-collar on but they're holding the helmet. Just let's make it a standard procedure. Now, the Dave's diatribe that I really want to get to is actually from the MotoGP world. So obviously people are probably going to switch off here because we've, we've switched genres. But Jack Miller got on the podium, which was awesome, right? At the last round, he got on the podium. But Jack, can we ease up on the shoeys, mate? Like, they're a fantastic way of celebrating when you win. 
But if you just get on the podium and get third, let's try and avoid the weird crap that's going to come out of your boot that you've been wearing for 40 plus minutes in a GP race where, you know, and then drinking out of it. So you can, you know, try and get yourself tetanus or some sort of dengue fever. I'm just making up viruses here now, but nobody needs you to do that more than you, than you need to. So if you want to start winning, yeah, sure. Do shoeys every race, but let's just back off on them when they're on the, just, just for podium finishes, right? Like let's, let's keep it for a special occasion. All right, hopefully Jack hears that. We'll see what happens. Maybe we'll get some feedback from Jackie. But uh, look, it, it's great that you did a good result, man. That's awesome. I'm glad to see you on the KDM doing well. Uh, just ease up on the shoeys. All right, let's take a break on the Always Moto podcast. We'll be back with more. We've got our check-in with Gage Linville from his injury recently at Atlanta. Um, that'll be in a separate YouTube video, and it's all part of the Always Moto podcast, episode 59, that you can check out on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for watching, guys and girls. Make sure you like and subscribe to the YouTube channel and that you're following and uh, subscribed and leaving a review of our podcast. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. See you shortly after this break. Hey, guys. Henry Miller, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, joining us this week on the Always Moto podcast. It's been his rookie season for the Supercross. He's been running on that East Coast there. He's been riding for Firepower Honda. It's the number 602 of Gage Linville. How are we doing, Gage? All good. Like I said, uh, yeah, just making it, so... <laughs> it's been a an interesting season for you. Obviously, we we met, and I don't know if you remember. I forgot to mention this before we hit record here, but we met when when you're at Newcastle um, Supercross, and unfortunately had that other injury there in the Australian Supercross <laughs> I side of that. things. Yeah, so oh yeah, I remember. It's a, it was a rough go then, and but see, the season's been okay, I guess, for a rookie season. Um, you you might you know might have different views on it, but you've unfortunately got. <laughs> An injury that's ended it maybe a round or two early for yourself to, to the thumb there. Um, how's that been for you? Yeah, you know, rookie season's not, you know, what I was hoping, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, I really didn't feel like myself up until the last, my last two or three rounds. Uh, yeah, um, just one word I could describe it would be kind of mediocre. Um, yeah. I feel like I progressed throughout the the East Coast, you should say, uh, with a 19th in Detroit and a 13th in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, it just took, you know, me way too long to get there. Um, you know, I missed the first couple mains and, you know, ideally that's, that's not where I want to be. Uh, yeah, I progressed. So, I mean, I guess you could look at that as a positive and my best finish was, it was a 13th in Atlanta while injured. So, you know, I was really looking forward to the last, um, I think we have three rounds, three rounds at the time. I was really looking forward to them, but, uh, you know, injury cut me short, but you know, it's racing. I'm just glad it wasn't nothing worse. Do you think that that sort of the beginning of the season, at least, do you think that was impacted by what happened, you know, with the injury in Australia? Like the time, obviously you lost probably what, six or so weeks there from that collarbone injury. And that sort of delayed your, your starting point for your prep time in the States. Do you think that impacted what the results were and maybe even just the ability to make the main in those first rounds? Or do you think that didn't play a factor at all? Um, you know, maybe a little factor of, you know, kind of confidence in Supercross. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know. I, I broke my collarbone leading up, leading, even leading up to Australia. Um, I only had like two weeks, two and a half weeks on the bike. The crash in Australia put me back another six weeks. You know, yep. I just... 
I really, I mean, you could say like I felt good on the bike, but I, I wasn't very confident in myself on Supercross. Sure. So like, and like the more racing we went on, the better I got, which I felt was good. But yeah, you know, crashes are going to happen. You just have to trust. I had to trust myself more. And, and even like in Atlanta, I know it was more of a speed, like a speedway kind mm-hmm. of. So the track was a little more outdoorsy. But like I've told people, like that was the best I felt like oh since i've been on the honda like i felt really good there like i don't know if it was because it was more outdoor style and that's kind of like what i've been used to for the past so many years or or i was jiving with the bike better but like for there i actually i felt very good on the bike um i kind of felt like i was like in tune with the bike more everything just kind of came to me more natural and even like even a crash in the first free practice when i did my thumb like it was painful all day but it was still like I still felt good with the bike, if that makes sense. Like I wasn't, even though I crashed, I wasn't like nervous to crash again. It was like, okay, like I know what I have to do, do this, this, and this, you know, I'm not going to crash. Just kind of believe in myself more. Yeah. That's just, that's obviously confidence has just come into the, into the program for you over, over the multiple weeks of actually doing laps and going to the events and stuff. You just got comfortable with the scenario by the sounds of it to me. So, but yeah, obviously that initial bit, the confidence was thrown out by the, the previous successive injuries there. So yeah, a bit of a rough go for you to be, to come in. Oh, for sure. And like you said, confidence is one of the, the biggest things in supercross or, or just riding anything you do, you know, not just riding, but riding in general, you got to have confidence. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so this, this particular injury from Atlanta there, it's, it's an avulsion fracture to the, to the thumb. Um, how long have they said to you about recovery time frame for this one? What's the doctor's got on it? So the doctor thinks, you know, I went for, it got checked up right after Atlanta and, uh, he put me in a spike cast for four weeks. I'm going to go back for x-rays and, and kind of go from there. Um, I think I go back either late next week or early the week after. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in a spike of cast, which is kind of pretty much holds my wrist and my thumb stable. Yeah. Uh, but no, the good thing was he doesn't think it was any ligament damage. So that's always a plus. That means no surgery. Just kind of he wants to keep it stable to make sure it heals properly. Um, and from kind of what I was told, I never even heard of an avulsion fracture. But <laughs> the way he kind of explained it, it's the the bone that connects the tendons yep. i want to say is how yep. he said it yep but yeah he just you know he didn't want me riding anymore because you know i could further damage it or you know even mess the the tendon up and with the messed up tendon you know that's surgery and that's you know six to eight weeks instead of four hopefully so yeah you can make the situation yeah i go back in absolutely and you know it had been different if i was you know up there with them guys and you know make it or break it but you know, I was, I've only made two mains so far and, you know, it just wasn't worth the, the risk wasn't worth the reward in that scenario. Um, but yeah, uh, it feels feeling better now. So the goal is to, you know, get back on the bike as, as soon as he releases me. Yeah, nice. And I'm glad you sort of went to that uh, little bit of description because I was going to go there for what an avulsion factor is. But yeah, you're, you're right. It's a, it's the where the tendon or the ligament attaches to the bone and that bone piece pulls off with the, with the tendon and the ligament still attached to it. So it actually heals yes. better than a torn yes. ligament or torn tendon because you've actually just the bones just got to work itself back together. Um, and as long uh, as yeah, it stays sure. stable, which is why they put you in the splint, they usually heal really well. It's when you move it again, at, you know, maybe at a week or two, you move it again by mistake and it, it pulls it back away that you've got to start over again. And- oh, and then you're restarting. Yeah. And like even at Atlanta, it was 
it was like in qualifying, I couldn't even hardly do no more than like a lap and a half, two laps. I couldn't really bend the tip of your thumb. Yep. It was just kind of stuck straight. But we, you know, we, we took, I put some CBD stuff on it and iced it all day. And <laughs> luckily, you know, for the heat race with, I was able, you know, with the adrenaline kind of kicked in, LCQ was adrenaline <laughs> and main was adrenaline for, I'd say half the main, then kind of adrenaline went away and pain started. So, uh, it's kind of a manage, manage from there. Uh, but no, like I said, I, I, to be honest with you, I really thought I jammed it and, um, turned out a little bit worse, but not as worse as it could have been. So just no, look at the positives right. from here. So if you, so with the plans then, so obviously you said if, if the thing goes well, maybe next week, the week after with, with, you know, the x-rays updates, hopefully you can get out of that cast and maybe even start riding that week or so. Um, what do we got planned in the future here? Are we doing outdoors? Cause the firepower team's only, only supercross. Um, what's the plans for you this year? Yeah. So the firepower team's only supercross, like you said, um, I'm going to go, you know, privateer for outdoors. It's, uh, not all the rounds. I'm going to do the closer rounds. I think I'm going to do five select rounds. Okay. Um, just, you know, get my feet wet. I haven't raced an outdoor pro national. I didn't get to last year with the transition to Honda after Loretta's. Um, so yeah, just kind of get my feet wet, you know, see where I stack up with them guys. Uh, just, you know, five, maybe six, if, uh, depending on how we're doing. Um, so yeah, you know, get that and uh, then kind of come back and, and get ready for arena cross next year. Actually, I'm going to do some of them before East coast, just cause I did some this year and, and that was just a really good gate drop with some really fast guys. Um, nice. just kind of get the tempo and stuff up. And then the plan is to run full East coast next year. Okay. Um, have you got anything going? Are you going to be with the firepower guys again or is it too early for that to be, um, to, to be known at this stage? Uh, yeah, like you said, it's too early. Yeah. Um, I only had a supercross only deal for this year. Yep. Um, and you know, my results wasn't, wasn't great by any means. I definitely progressed through, throughout the rounds up into my injury and, and, you know, them guys noticed that, but yeah, you know, it's, it's too early to tell. Uh, I'm going to, like I said, I'm doing my own thing for outdoors and, you know, maybe cards fall into the right place and I get a ride, whether it's with them or, or you know, another team. Yeah, fair enough. Obviously, the next the next couple of results will will probably help that those conversations for you, particularly when you've got some outdoor things, because obviously only Supercross so far rookie season. It's uh, you got to put some put some runs on the board, as they say. So see where you land in a couple Absolutely. of weeks' time. Absolutely, yeah. You know, like you said, you got to put some some points on the board. You know, you can't just go out there with with what I've done so far. You know, I feel like I can be you know a good guy outdoors. Um, even like in the amateurs, I was a, a good guy outdoors. So I feel like that's kind of more my forte, I guess you could say right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, just put in the work and, and, you know, let it show it outdoors. Definitely. Now, a question that we ask all the riders lately that when they're coming on for the Always Moto podcast, because we're just curious to see what everybody's got going on under their gear. Gage, what have you got under your gear, mate? Do you, do you have something in particular or are you just a generic knee brace chest pro guy? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty generic. I should say just chest protector, you know, knee braces, um, in practice though, I will say I do wear my, my chest protector over, Okay. but like me compared to the other guys, I wear a, a pretty bulky chest protector. You should say it's, it's a hard plastic one. It's not one of the little roof detectors. Yep. Um, so practice, I, I like to wear mine over and, and racing the last couple rounds I wore it under, you know, just to you know, we had supplemented gear with fly, you know, just to kind of help out and show the sponsors more and not cover stuff up. Yep. But 
When I wear it under, I wear a uh, compression, a pure outlaw compression, like a full jersey. Yes. Um, it's made out of the athletic material, so it's like not the, it's not really very, very hot. Are you doing so that I to wear stop it under everything my rubbing you? Yes, exactly. Because like, <laughs> uh, like my teammate Max and stuff, he puts tape like on his nipples and oh, stuff yeah, like that. Oh yeah, I do that, that all the time. But... I get laughed at for that all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like the difference between mine and like some of theirs is, you know, theirs is the roost protectors, the little skinny, flimsy ones. I wear the the big boy one. <laughs> Mine's a it's a full on chest protector, and you know it's made out of the hard plastic, and I don't want to tape my whole body, so I just uh, yeah, <laughs> I wear the compression jersey. <laughs> but it it's a little hotter than you know not wearing anything, but you know it's it's not life or death. It's manageable, so yeah, I no. like to wear that under. Um, but that's why I wear it over just cause it's a little easier in practice, but yeah. no, other than that, I'm, I'm pretty generic. I don't wear any, uh, no other than knee braces, no other kind of braces. So yeah, right. Oh, that's good. It, it's always interesting to see cause somebody we've had some and they did just some random things that they run under the gear, but you're, you're right about having to tape things up because that's uh, a bit of an issue there for some people. I know the nipple side of things can be really painful and you, there's actually a oh, yeah. scenario where you can actually have your nipple drop off if it rubs on something too much. So it happens cool. for marathon runners. And so. actually, and actually I will say on my knee braces, um, I do tape them too now that i'm thinking about it i take the straps just because you know i wear my pants um i like to put them pretty high so i don't i don't like it like when i put my pants and stuff on sometimes it'll rip the velcro okay yeah so i always tape my tape my knee brunts i velcro i always tape them each one so it makes it a little bit easier you know a little bit more tighter because i run my stuff pretty tight and just like with my gloves you know i run a smaller size than what i should just because i like the the real tightness of it yeah nothing bunching up in the palms there when you when you're gripping exactly That's, yeah it's uh it's one of those things that can really quickly turn into a blister if it bunches up so yeah i can understand that one yeah you're right and it's i think it's probably more personal preference of more than anything you know i could wear a large glove but i like the the medium it's a little smaller like you said a little tighter i feel like i have more more feel with it i think Not a lot of guys up. once they get to that sort of you know com- really competitive level um, the gloves always end up tighter because you don't want your hand to move on the bar at all too because the, the, that extra material exactly. slip. So, yeah, it's a pretty common thing for most people to go a tight-fitting glove. Oh, for sure. Well, look, Gage, that was awesome, man. I appreciate your, your time on the Always Motor podcast and giving us that insight into what's under your gear. Uh, hopefully, we see you back on track here real soon and, and, like you said, get to some of those outdoors as a privateer and... And get some decent results, mate. We can, you know, hopefully then you can uh, get another ride and, and put in some more effort for next season. Yeah, and like I said, that's the plan. Um, but, yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. No, all good. Thanks for your time, Gage. Thank you. This is Derek Kelly, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto Podcast. And that was a wonderful insight into – a rookie season there with uh, Gage Linville. So thanks for getting on the Always Moto podcast. Let's jump into our weekly product inspection highlights here on the show. And this week's product is going to come from Force Accessories. It's their case saver. Now, if you don't know what a case saver is, it's a little aluminium product, a billet aluminium product or milled aluminium product that goes onto where your front sprocket is. It is a saver because it will stop the chain when it derails or breaks and derails from hitting your um, clutch slave cylinder. 
So it then protects that. It also then, or if that's on a on a uh, you know on a KDM group bike because of that hydraulic clutch system. Um, but otherwise, it's also protecting that ignition cover there as well because obviously, as the chain throws off and comes forward, it can jam straight into that uh, into that cover, destroy the cover, potentially then throw into the ignition there and potentially stop that and you know just destroy the bike at that point as well so this little piece is a fantastic way of protecting that area uh, it just saves that section from any chain derailment actions it also just protects it, like particularly on the kdm and huskies and gas gases with that uh, hydraulic clutch that whole slave cylinder section there it's just protecting, it's wrapped all the way around, it's covering very nicely. So if you do drop the bike side on and it you know, potentially lands on a rock at that point, you're hopefully not going to break off that the fitting at the top, the cat where the where the actual um, you know, the hydraulic line attaches to it, you're not going to potentially break that off. You're hopefully just going to hit on that case saver and protect that whole section of bike. So it's a really good product to have. Small, simple, easy to fit. It just goes straight into the existing bolts that are already there on the bike. You just need these ones that come with it that are a tiny bit longer so you can bolt straight up. Uh, it's a simple design, it's very effective. And the best part about it, you can get them in all different anodized colours. For me personally, I've gone with the black one on our current Gas Gas 350 that we've got. Uh, it just sits in there really nicely. We've gone matching all colors with that force accessories, all in black. They all pop off the motor there because obviously the motor's that metallic, silvery sort of color. The black stands out on it really, really nicely. So, But you can get all sorts of colors, blues, reds, um, you know, your oranges. So, yeah, you've got plenty of options to pick from in terms of color choices. Now, these are... A, a product that Force Accessories, you can get direct from their website, which is forceaccessories.com.au. They go for about $77.23. Now check for your model for the fitment on their website and then the specific price because obviously they might vary from, from model to model uh, and they will also be able to get that sent out to you. So obviously delivery fees and all that is on top of that price there. But check their website for your exact price your exact model but they're well worth having um, just a little bit of protection for your bike and also add a little bit of bling and a bit of style to it as well so yeah check out force accessories guys and girls they've got a whole different range of protection products but this week's product is that case saver and i highly recommend that you get one for your bike all right, let's wrap up this show here on the Always Moto Podcast, episode fifty nine. It's been another fantastic show. Thanks to all of the, thanks to the all of the people that have made it possible. Obviously, Gage Linville for his time here with our big interview with him and a check in like we do every week. Thanks to the Always Moto contractor Ben Grinley, and thanks to you guys and girls out there for listening. Don't forget to send in those t shirt orders to email them to info at alwaysmoto.com. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things injury and moto. Search Always Moto on your favorite platform and then follow and subscribe. And if your podcast app allows, make sure you leave us a rating. Please do it right when this episode is over. That's the first thing you've got to do. Before you put your phone down and change to the next podcast, leave us a rating. Don't forget, you can check out all of our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au and soon to have additional content coming your way on our own page at alwaysmoto.com. That's it for another show, guys and girls. Thanks to Slamboard Guy. Thanks to Endurance Recovery Boots. Thanks to TechWix 167 3D Printing for the show support. Thanks to the Fantasy League sponsors, Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia, and Bolt Everywhere. 
Now, remember, you need to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic, having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick.